talk about law, contracts, and legal terminology, and you're likely to elicit the snooze response in most people. Quick disclaimer, in this episode, we use some not-so-child-friendly words in here, so if you've got little ears around, maybe hit pause until later. It's not F-bombs, but it's also not G-rated either. A little bit more like PG-13, so act accordingly. Now, back to law. I say this humbly. I initially went to university with the intention of being a lawyer and then realized pretty quickly within my first few law classes that it was not for me. It turned out law was a lot of reading and a whole lot less sexy TV courtroom drama than I expected. While I definitely blame all the legacy television networks for the dramatization of law, the truth is that for a lot of people, whether you like to watch legal shows or not, legal documents can be boring and feel tedious. Unfortunately, as business owners especially, the law is pretty dang important for us to be able to do a good job, to operate, and to ensure that we're upholding it and delivering for both our clients and our own interests. The problem? Let's be real. Legal staff can be overwhelming. There's a reason why lawyers go to school for like seven, eight, who knows how many years, a long time. And us as entrepreneurs, we're just trying to pick up what we need to do our job and to run a great business. If you're anything like me, you also maybe put off the legal stuff, sometimes, unfortunately, until it's too late. Maybe also like me, you might have legal documents that you've found on the internet, borrowed from a business bestie, copied and pasted to bring it all together, a little DIY project. And the problem is that it might not protect you from missing out on payments or getting yourself into legal action or worse. When it comes to legal stuff, You don't know what you don't know. And legal advice and documents certainly are an investment. There's no doubt about that. Now, those are the pretty obvious things we want to avoid. Lawsuits, customers not paying you. It's pretty easy to quantify that. And avoiding that is pretty motivating. But there's also a more subtle cost to not having your legal house in order. And that's why I'm so excited about this episode. I really feel, and and Jamie, who you're going to hear from really shortly here, we talk about The fact that when you don't have your legal side sorted out, it can result in half-assing your business. When you feel overwhelmed, you don't put your hand up for opportunities and expand your business because you don't feel confident or you don't know where to start. Like for example, you don't know if what you need to start a business partnership, a collaboration, don't know if the documents you have are right for your website or your course or your podcast or to start working with that influencer. That's where it's time to introduce Jamie Bell from The Contracts Market. Jamie's a business lawyer and a founder of The Contracts Market, where she provides legal contract templates to entrepreneurs. Hello, I am here for it. You're going to love this episode. Jamie also started a law firm, Wild Coast Law, where she provides legal support to business owners in British Columbia, Canada. She has over a decade of business law experience, and these two businesses allow Jamie to serve entrepreneurs and help them legally protect their businesses. While she's originally from Ontario, she now lives on Vancouver Island with her partner. And today, she's here on Golden Girls Podcast to help us deconstruct legal, well, lots of legal things for us as business owners, freelancers, and entrepreneurs. In this episode, you're going to learn why now, more than ever, it's important to cover your legal butt. You're going to hear the biggest legal mistakes entrepreneurs make and, of course, how to avoid them. You're going to hear what scope creep and communication are and why they are so important. You're going to learn about what every website needs to be legally compliant, how to do affiliate marketing, again, legally, because we don't want to get you or anyone else in trouble. And one of my favorite things, you're going to hear some stock phrases and things to look out for to help make your contract the bad guy so you can focus on delivering your best for your clients and keeping the flexibility, autonomy, and the fun parts of your business, making them work for you. Here's our promise to you. 
besides keeping you awake and the conversation interesting, which I know Jamie is going to do, we're going to make the complicated legal stuff approachable. You're going to walk away feeling more empowered to take ownership over the legal side of your business. You'll feel confident with the important terms and conditions of your business and be ready to take it seriously, which you know is going to have a ripple effect on the growth of your business and yourself. So here we go. Here's your legal pep talk with Jamie Bell. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. It's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Hello, Golden Girls. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm honored to have Jamie with us. Jamie is a business lawyer and the founder of The Contracts Market, where she provides legal contract templates to entrepreneurs. She also has a law firm, Wild Coast Law, where she provides legal support to business owners in British Columbia, Canada. And we're so excited and grateful to have her here today. Thank you for being here, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped too. This has been a couple years in the making, and it's really cool to finally have it come full circle. So why don't you start by telling us a story of when a contract saved your butt? Because I feel like you don't just wake up one day and say, I love contracts. Contracts must do something for you to make you really fall in love with them. Uh, Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I've been working with business owners for almost 10 years now. Well, actually over 10 years now. So I've definitely seen lots of situations where contracts have saved butts for sure. Um, Personally, I can say that I've also been in business relationships before that didn't pan out exactly the way we had both thought that they would. And not that either party did one thing wrong or the other, but it just was a relationship that when we started getting further and further towards our launch and deeper into the business relationship, we realized we had really divergent ways of doing things that didn't come up in our initial discussions. So at that point, I I mean, we were both well-versed in dealing with contracts and law. And so luckily we did have a partnership agreement in place, which we both relied on to split ways. And it made it really easy where, you know, I'm actually dealing with the situation right now where the there's two business owners who don't have that kind of agreement and I'm acting for one party navigating their divorce, for lack of a better word, and it is getting messier. So um, that's one situation for me where I'm glad that I actually did what I tell other people to do and have their business relationship fleshed out a little bit more in a contract. That's right off the top of my head. That's uh, probably a good starting story. Oh, I feel uh, that's such a good example because everyone goes in with great intentions, right? And and. I mean, most people going with good intentions. I'm sure you've seen the opposite as well in your in your world. Um, but what I love is just the way that you frame that contract as being, you know, something that you have up front, that communication, um, that kind of agreement that allowed it, that even if things didn't work out the way you thought, they at least gave you that backup plan to cover your butt. And now totally. you've been doing this for over 10 years. So I feel like you've seen a lot of mistakes. What are the biggest issues you see or mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making when it comes to legal and contracts? 
Definitely. Well, there's, there's a few for sure, but definitely the DIY contract situation, which there is no shame in that. Like I am also an entrepreneur. I also understand what it feels like to have a hundred things to check off on your to-do list before you launch. And there's things on that list that are often way more fun, like picking the branding and planning out your Instagram posts and all those kind of things. But often when I see entrepreneurs drafting their own contracts, they actually do a pretty good job about the things that are in there for the most part. Like they typically get the services section right and how they want to be paid. But there's a lot of legal, you know, quote unquote jargon that is missed that's actually really important. And I don't want to shame people for that because like you just don't know what you don't know. But often when I have people come to me in my law firm asking for me to review the contracts that they've kind of mishmashed together, like the quilt contract that they've grabbed like a piece from over here and a piece of over there and like sewed it together in their own unique way, they, they're missing important pieces that they just don't know about. So that's, that's one of the bigger mistakes that I see. And usually they end up coming to see me for a more customized contract because they've had an issue come up, you know, with a client who didn't want to pay or they canceled early. And then those, you know, nobody was really sure what to do with a retainer or something like that. And everybody had ideas, their own ideas about what would happen in that situation. But because it wasn't clearly set out in a contract, that's when that lack of clarity becomes a bigger issue. So that's kind of one of the bigger things I see as a mistake. Um, yeah. And then another one is launching a website without a privacy policy. <laughs> Cole's notes. That's You have to have a privacy policy if you're collecting any kind of data on your website, um, like email addresses or you know Google Analytics or anything like that. That's all considered personal information. And you have to have a policy of what you're doing to deal with that and protect that information. Uh, you guys may not be able to see me, but my face is completely blushing here because I'm guilty of both of those <laughs> mistakes <laughs> right off the bat. So uh, thanks for making this feel shame-free. Jamie, I do appreciate that and I will echo the shame-free. I do think you don't know what you don't know. And especially as an entrepreneur, you have to wear so many hats. You know, Most of us don't go into entrepreneurship excited to be the bookkeeper and the accountant and the lawyer and the human resources like and all of the things, the graphic designer, the marketing, all of the pieces that go in. Um, and so I think that's why it's so important and you know why we need people like you to help us tell us what we don't know and help guide us through those mess, th those messes. So how how do we avoid these mistakes? Because I, I think it is a you don't know what you don't know. Obviously listening to this podcast, obviously following along with your blog, which is amazing if you guys haven't checked it out already. I'm going to put make sure there's a link in the show notes to that. Um, but how do entrepreneurs avoid these mistakes and get started on the right foot? Or continue, maybe get back on the right track. Yeah, get back on it. I mean, <laughs> I also want to echo like for just so everyone feels like I'm not doing it perfectly either. Like my bookkeeping is out of control right now. And like, that's where I need support. <laughs> so you're among friends if you've been like neglecting certain aspects of your business. Um, yeah, so I think just one of the things that I found, which is a byproduct of the contracts market which I didn't really realize was a byproduct until I started hearing this from people was that the more that they just learned a little bit about the legal. So it wasn't so much that they needed to conquer the law because I'm not thinking that you should do that. I, 
like a done for you contract or information on the internet is not intended to make you a lawyer. Like there are people who do dedicate their life to that. But having a little bit of information about the legal side of your business actually gives you more confidence to grow and scale your business, which is actually something I didn't think about very much when I was starting my business to support entrepreneurs. I wanted them to be legally protected, but it actually gives you confidence to go and raise your prices because there's more money on the line, which means that you your policies are a little bit more tightened up. So you're not afraid to kind of reach a little bit higher or sign the con- the client's of the bigger companies because you know you have legal protections in place so you're not feeling like you're getting walked on all the time. Um, so those are things that are the byproduct of learning a little bit more. So a lot of the resources that I provide to people is more issue spotting situations. So when I'm talking about copyright or ownership, like if you're a creative or a freelancer who's creating deliverables for other people, I want you just to understand copyright and intellectual property rights just enough so that if something comes up in your day-to-day life and in your business with a client, you know, you've said you can think, oh, I've seen some information about this before and it raises a red flag for you to either look into that situation a little bit more or maybe reach out for more support. So again, I think a big aspect of my business is making sure that I'm not overwhelming people with the minutia of things, but it's more just understand the baselines and the basics of some legal aspects and you then are in a much better position to protect your business because you know what you, then you know what you need. So, I mean, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. I feel like at some point you're going to make a course, right? To teach us these little pieces. (laughs) Well, I give a lot of information on my blog, but yes, probably I should do something like that because it is an overwhelming situation to be starting a business. Like a big one that comes up, for instance, is like, I need a trademark. You know, we that a trademark is something that protects your intellectual property. So um, like your logo, for instance, but often they're expensive to get. So it's actually shouldn't be on the first number one on your list. I'm a big believer in, you know, things that make you money, spend money on things that are going to make you money, like your client service agreement, for instance, because if, if you're putting all this money into a trademark, for instance, you think that's number one on your list but you don't make a sale, what's, there's no, (laughs) there's no purpose to have a trademark. So, and, and you need some sales behind you to have enforceable trademark rights. That's a whole nother podcast, but you want a business behind the brand before you go and trademark. So yeah, I guess I should do a course or something like this (laughs) about kind of like the steps. I do have a freebie uh, business checklist. So that kind of walks you through, um, this, the, first few things that you should be doing when you're starting your business and as you're growing, certainly. But yeah, it can be overwhelming for sure. But I think just if you are the very beginning stages of starting a business, then the the agreement that's going to make you money, if you're an e-commerce shop, for instance, then that might just be your website terms of use, which set out your refund and your shipping policies and making sure those are really clean. Or if you're a service provider, a client services agreement for sure, plus those website terms and privacy policy. So yeah, it, it can be overwhelming. And then don't, there's the GST numbers or the the tax numbers that you need and all that kind of stuff. And it is overwhelming, but there's so much good information out there now that you can find kind of that initial few things. And then there's always experts if you get really overwhelmed. 
Yeah. Well, this is one of the things that I really love about um, about your business. It's a uh, full disclosure why I am I have bought your contracts. Haven't fully fully implemented them yet, but I have them and we're working on them. Um, like, and you're also- my accountability buddy, or I'll be your accountability <laughs> yeah. buddy. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, we are going to do some accountability on this. Yeah. Don't let me forget to talk <laughs> about that. Thank you. Um, but it's one of the reasons I'm a fan of your work and why I want to talk to you because I feel like. As an entrepreneur, it, it seems like there it's either the the I love what you refer to as the quilt contract, where you kind of piece it together or borrow it from someone else to try and make it your own, the DIY, or you have to go and get a custom contract, which I, I assume costs several thousand dollars. I know we've gotten lawyers to draft up other agreements in our real estate business; it's not cheap. And so I love that the contract mm-hmm. market kind of bridges that a little bit, in that there's. I mean, a little bit of DIY where you get to put on your own policies in there, but it's drafted mm-hmm. by an, by you who's a lawyer and it makes sure that it includes all those things that we may need to think about. So I just, yeah, like shout out to you on that. And that's one of the things I Thank think is you. really cool about <laughs> your business, why I'm a fan, why, why we're here having this chat. Because I think you, you bridge a really important gap there for people. Yeah. And it's also a lesson for anybody who is a service provider that really it's a scalable business too. I mean- you're, you're a service provider, you understand there's only so many hours in the day. And I was sending emails constantly to people or drafting the same contracts over and over in my law firm. And that's where I just decided to do it as a digital product, because it could get into the hands of more people for a more more affordable price. And yeah, you're right. I don't talk about this a lot on contract market, which is probably a shift of marketing I should do. But if you hire a lawyer in your business, like my I, my base rate for contracts starts around eight fifty to a thousand dollars for a customized contract, so it is a fraction of the price. So you can get something that's really solid to protect you. And then as your business grows, and maybe something happens with the client or just your own policies change, then then that's a great time to take that base contract to a lawyer and have it tweaked and customized. And it will probably still only be a fraction of what it would be to have a customized contract, but um, but then there's also people who just are, are like against DIY or done for you kind of templates and they want to hire a lawyer. And that's an, a totally legit way of doing it, too. So I do love having both options because some people, their businesses have grown so fast that they are probably like you, Lisa, who are like, yeah, I bought the contract template, but I haven't I don't even have 20 minutes to fill it out. So I, I like to have that's why I still have my law firm open, too. Mm-hmm. I love it. What what a great uh, what a great combo. I, I think that's really cool. Um, why do you think right now is such an important time to talk about this? Why 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 do you think legal is is important? I mean, there's a lot going on in the world. Why why do you, I I mean I know why I want to have to have you on the podcast and have this conversation, but why do you think it's important yeah. right now? I think well, there's two reasons that come to mind. The first is the gig economy is huge. I mean. It also feels huge because it's the world I'm in. So I also understand that there's a whole section of people who aren't within the freelancer world. But yeah, there's a there's lot still of people pe- out there with jobs. Who knew, right? Yeah, yeah, nine to fives. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you if you point me in the direction of a nine to five, I I'd be shocked to find one of those these days. Um, I don't think anyone really works nine to five anymore. But yeah, I think the freelancer economy is huge and people are thrusting themselves into the world without much foundation of how to start a business. Then the other thing that we're hearing a lot about, whether it's true or whether it is not true, it's just a good reminder that there's 
talk of a recession. And when that happens, people pull back um, financially. And so if you are a freelancer that has payment milestones or, you know, subscription based services or something like that, then it's a really good idea to look at your contracts and, and perhaps think about, okay, maybe changing your payment structure. So your payment, you're getting more money up front so that if someone does cancel, then you're not out, you know, the balance of the contract or, or whatever that looks like for your business. But it is a good idea when we're going into potentially financially uncertain times um, to start looking at how you're collecting payment and just making sure that, you know, your refund policies are really strong or your cancellation or your rescheduling policies are really tightened up so that um, you're not left hanging. I think we saw with um, the pandemic that a lot of people realized that their cancellation, rescheduling and refund policies weren't we're on very shaky ground. And so I think the first six months of, in my law practice, I was like reading people's quilty contracts <laughs> and going, Oh, it's pretty uncertain here. Or it's really unclear about what happens to, you know, deposits or retainers if, if a global pandemic happens um, or just the world is shut down by government. So um, yeah, just kind of tightening up those policies. And it doesn't really matter what stage you're at in your business, your policy, you know, the policies are always changing. So just having a check in maybe before the end of the year so that you're going into January with your contracts updated. And also doing some inventory about how your client relationships are going, or, or just the process of your client um, journey so that that's reflected in your contract. Because I think what happens, especially if we're using things like Dubsado or HoneyBook or any of these client management platforms, which are great. I, I use Dubsado in my law firm. I love it. But we kind of upload the contract and forget about it. And it just kind of sits in the workflow. And so it's a really good idea to head back into that workflow and, and just do a quick tune-up. You know, maybe it's time to adjust your prices or your hourly rate or something like that. And just do a review of your contract to make sure it's still reflecting the client process and your own policies. And that's why I always love kind of talking about policies in your business, because you, whether or not you think you have them, you, if you own a business, you have to have some policies about what it's like to work with you. And so if you're just starting out your business, I think a contract is a really great way of actually forcing you to sit down and go, Oh, Hey, I never thought about what would happen if they, canceled, you know, 75% through the contract, like what happens with the copyright at that point? I just finished an illustrator agreement today for one of my clients. And that was really interesting to learn about how, you know, <laughs> her contract actually said, if you cancel past the final deliver or 75% through the contract, you owe me 100% of the fee, but you don't get any copyright ownership. And I thought, well, hey, that doesn't sound very enforceable to me. So that was something where we rejigged that policy and and changed it a little bit. So it was a little bit more equitable to everyone. But yeah, so it's just a really good reminder that you need to have these policies and then continue to check in on them. And I love like when you have a bad client situation come up, okay, that's a really good time to take that lesson. Hopefully it's not that costly or, you know, time resources money. But go back and see if there's like a tweak you can make to your contract to address that going forward. And that's just all, you know, living and learning as a business owner.
Uh, so it sounds like there are some parts that are important to be proactive about and kind of check in. And then some of these lessons are just going to unfortunately happen and tweak and, and evolve. Yeah. And, and like, I'll be the first to tell you contracts aren't hundred percent bulletproof. Like everyone thinks they have a contract, like it is bulletproof. Like that is not true. The courts might just find that it's unreasonable and you know, case law might've said something against that, that we don't know about or something like that. So, you know, contracts aren't hundred percent bulletproof, but they are an excellent defense in the event that you, you need to rely on one. A really good example of that is chargebacks. I don't know. Do you know what a chargeback is? No. Tell, oh, is that when um, if I paid for something and then I go to my credit card and tell them to not mm-hmm. pay? Yeah. Did I describe that well? Why don't you tell them? Yeah. Yeah. So it's exactly what that is. So for instance, you maybe you run a coaching program and I've paid you know, 100% of the coaching program, signed a contract that said I'm paying that and then there's no refunds and then you I want to cancel because you know I lost my job or whatever and I can't afford to have lost that money I need that money back and I instead of I might have come to you and said hey Lisa I'd like a refund and you're like you know like that's part of coaching is you need to commit and pay the money you sign the contract then I go okay thanks for listening and then I call visa and say that was an illegal charge on my visa and It used to be, and don't quote me on this because I haven't been dealing with them as much recently, but that it was like 99% in favor of the person who asked for the chargeback, they would get their money back. But now with, now the credit cards are actually listening a little bit more to freelancers and saying, no, they signed a contract. It's not so black and white. And so that's why it's really important to have website terms of use, for instance, that say absolutely no no refunds unless, or if you do refunds, like this kind of refund policy, just really important to clear. Again, Visa or MasterCard will do with what they want often. And it's really frustrating, but at least if you have that in your contract, you can present it to them as a defense. So just having really clear policies is important that way. Oh, that's so good to know. I've never, knock on wood, never had that happen. But I can see that being so challenging as a business owner, as a as a freelancer to to have that mm-hmm. just gone, right? And it sounds like there's not a lot it of It happened a lot during um, the pandemic. And um, I actually was dealing with it. I, I've, well, my partner is a tour guide. So I end up helping a lot of like people in the <laughs> wilderness tourism industry. And I was helping a lot of people in that industry with chargebacks for tours that they had booked. And the unfortunate situation for a lot of those kind of companies, I I mean, probably most people who have their own business is when they get the money, it's not like they set aside that deposit to wait until that trip goes through to use it. Often that money is like in the bank and then used for business purposes. And, and they have, they, unfortunately, a lot of these didn't have policies that dealt with these kind of mass situations where everyone was asking for their deposits back. So a lot of companies just couldn't do it. So it was really heartbreaking. So yeah, just like being really clear about that. I've definitely been updating people's <laughs> refund policies since we're learning a little bit more about the about what courts are looking for and things like that. So yeah, just being super clear about your policies. 
what you just said that reminds me of what you I've heard you call the domino effect of and why this you know maybe this ties into to why this is so important and because as business owners especially in the first couple years you don't just have all this money sitting there in cash. Like you get what payment from something and then you're paying, maybe you're paying your your Canva subscription or you're paying for your QuickBooks or you're paying for you're paying for your contractors or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is so important that if someone doesn't make a payment, like that the ripple effect, the domino effect, as you say, is that then maybe you can't pay somebody else and it creates this whole domino effect. Um, so yeah. I've <sighs> definitely seen that happen. I mean – the great thing and the hard thing about freelancers is we typically work with other freelancers. You know, we're usually supporting our own community. So if you don't have the, you know, if you're taking from one contract money coming in to pay your contract for money going out, it can have that domino effect for sure. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation about like financial. Absolutely. um, Yes. yes. Emergency (laughs) funds. (laughs) But yeah, definitely. It can for sure have a, a domino effect. And yeah, and, you know, our communities are pretty small in the freelancing world. And, you know, I people will say, well, I don't want to put this like really harsh refund policy in my in my contract. I'm like, well, you know what? The great thing about being a business owner is that you can have a really harsh or like not harsh, but like solid refund policy, like no refunds. And then if someone comes to you and asks, then you can use your discretion as to whether or not you want to enforce it or not. But it's a great way to have your contract kind of do the enforcing for you and the hard conversations and making sure everyone's on the same page before you jump into that relationship. But you're always in control of whether you want to enforce that policy. If someone comes to you and says, you know, my house just burnt down, (laughs) I really can't do this coaching program anymore. It's totally within your discretion to be like, so sorry, refund money back. You know, that that's the great thing about owning our own businesses too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Tell me a story about vague contracts um, and what happens when we're not specific enough in our terminology. I, I, I heard you had a, a coaching client who is navigating this yeah. right now. Yeah. So, oh yeah, my stories, I think, or my, I think I did this on my TikTok the other day, actually, with like a sad state of social platform over there for me. But yeah, so I actually spent quite a lot of time with a coaching contract recently. Um, She had put together a contract and to be honest, it wasn't terrible. And she said that there was going to be a certain number of sessions given in exchange for the fee, which I think is really typical in a coaching relationship. You know, eight, let's just make it easy numbers, eight sessions for $1,000, you know, whatever. Um, it's probably not the going rate these days, but just for easy numbers. So <laughs> uh, so those eight, eight sessions equaled eight hours over the course of the agreement. Well, she had a lot of different definitions of things. So like sessions and deliverables and like a bunch of different words that didn't make sense that obviously were like drawn from all these other contracts that she used to inform the one that she wrote up. And the quilt contract? The quilt contract. (laughs) And then the, the relationship took like a serious nosedive really, really quickly. And I got, was privy to a lot of these recordings and, um, notes that my client had made during the coaching relationship. And yeah, it wasn't on my client at all. Like it was definitely the client, the other client, her client. And 
But then when it came down to, she said, well, I've given you eight hours of support through coaching. It just hasn't been in, in eight sessions. Like it's been emails and writing and, and back and forth and voice notes, but she never actually delivered those eight sessions. She delivered four plus a lot of bogus work <laughs> on top of it in just supporting her through other situations that came up. So now there's potentially going to be a lawsuit because she will not refund the balance. She's she, Her position is that she's delivered eight hours of work and the person who's not happy with not getting a refund has said, well, actually you've only delivered four sessions. So that's why it's really clear. There's a lot of things he, that are coming up here, but it's hard for me to take a, I mean, we're defending it the best that we can. The contract is not bulletproof, but if the definitions had at least been consistent and my client had really stuck to her boundaries in the sense of, hey, this is actually calls for a session right now and use those for sessions. They're just It's just really messy. So I think there's a lot to be learned in terms of making sure your language within your own contract is really consistent so that all the definitions line up. And then also making sure that you're actually sticking to the scope of work that you're being paid for, because it's going to be really heartbreaking if we lose this particular situation and she has put in all the time with this client. So yeah, I I think we talked about this before, but over, I'm not a big fan of like over delivering on a client experience. And that doesn't mean that you don't do a really great job on the work that you're being paid to do, but all these little extras seem to add up really fast. And so you have to be as a business owner and certainly in her case, like she's a coach who's trying to make sure that her client gets really good um, results out of her program. So she over delivered and gave her a lot of support that she wasn't paying for. And now she's resenting this client. She's resenting the work that she's doing. Like it just seems to spiral really quickly. So I think that's just, and it's not a, you know, you want to deliver the services in a really great way for what you're being paid for. But I think we have a tendency to do more than we're getting paid for often. So it's just a matter of trying to rein that in from time to time and sticking to the scope. And then just flexing that muscle all the time, like, hey, this is actually outside of what um, I'm delivering to you as a coaching um, relationship, but happy to talk about it. But there's going to be extra fees, you know, things like that. Like we have to get better at practicing those kind of harder conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like boundaries, communication, expectations. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. are just themes that are so much in, I think, especially in the lives of women, entrepreneurs, like these are things relationship that we- Relationship stuff. It's <laughs> exactly. all about relationships. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm really sorry that's happening to, you know, to both of those people. That's really, it's, it's always tough when expectations are not met on both sides. And, and, um, totally. I can, I can see now I'm going to fix my quilt contract. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so good. And, you know, I think I wonder too, like I think some professions, like as a coach, you know, you just really, I think most coaches are really going because they want to help people. And I think a lot of different freelancers go in because they want to help people and they want to have more autonomy and control. And, um, so I love what you said there. I mean, in the beginning of what you talked about, um, uh, you know, you can be hard, harsh is maybe not the wrong word, but you can have a really strong refund policy or strong definitions and then use your discretion to, 
to maybe I don't I'm like to be a nice person. I don't. That's not what I mean at all. To like have that flexibility, have right? Flexibility. So you can, to yeah, have yeah, flexibility, yeah. yeah, and autonomy and freedom, and to be able to go above and beyond versus making going above and beyond be your default and then ending up in resentment. Well, and I think too, like when someone comes to you and they want to switch your policies that they've signed and agreed to, often it seems like that person flips the narrative like, oh, well, you're not a very, like you just said, not a nice business owner because you're not giving, you know, having flexibility. And it's like, why are you asking me to bend the rules? You know, like we have to, it's not about being nice. It's just, it's business. <laughs> and And we can all have our own flair to it for sure and yeah. do that. But often it comes like this person is clearly outside like this other client, like she is being quite nasty to my client, but making my client feel like the she's in the wrong. And I don't think that's right. You know, mm -hmm. her, her, yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, we could talk about that, like a bigger projection, like societal piece. Like it's, I mean, there's a, the good girl narrative, the guy, and I, as I'm a recovering mm -hmm. people pleasing, overachieving perfectionist, always <laughs> will be in recovery. But like, yeah. the thing is that I have found myself doing this where I expect – and I've gotten way better at this and I, now I'm conscious of it. Um, but I think a lot of times we we do because society expects so much of us or expects us to be really nice. We then expect that and project that onto other people. And when other people are, are firm in their boundaries, it's triggering for us because we don't feel like we can do that. And mm -hmm. so that is something I think like collective – both collectively and individually, we have to heal that and recognize like someone else sticking to their boundary is not an attack on me. And, um, and recognizing, recognizing that and seeing like, where is this person a mirror of me and where could I be doing a better job with my boundaries in my life? Um, and recognizing- I feel like I'm getting a therapy session right now and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Want to collaborate? We can do therapy and, and legal yes. all together. <laughs> no, not therapy, coaching, coaching yeah, and legal. People are really um, feeling terrible then come to that session with us. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I think that's um that's how that's 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 kind of um what is really powerful, I think, about contracts and why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I think it's a I know it's a heck of a lot easier to have these conversations to figure out our boundaries, to figure out whether yes is for us and what our no is for us when we're in a calm, um like conscious grounded state versus trying to make these decisions once something has gone wrong and something has mm -hmm. activated or triggered or offended or something hasn't gone as planned or our expectations haven't been met, then it's really hard to come back to a grounded place to then move forward. Um, so gosh, I feel like I'm just selling contracts, which is but I'm no, I feel <laughs> like this actually brings it full circle almost to what we started with. And if you are it's like any relationship, whether you're getting married, you get the prenup. If you are going into a partnership with another business owner, you put a contract in place. You're starting a client relationship, you put a contract in place. I can't tell you, Lisa, how many people, and this is not against my own legal skills. I know that for sure. But two business owners have come to me. They say, hey, I want to start it. We're thinking about starting a business together. I'm like, great. Here's your homework. Go, go back to each other and talk about, okay, how do profits get reinvested? How do bigger decisions get made? What happens when this kind of situation comes up? And probably I would say 30% of the time, partners come back and I check follow up and check up on them. 
And I'm like, hey, how's this tracking? When are we going to put this in writing? And they're like, you know what? We went and did our homework and we realized, yeah, we totally agree on the branding and the colors and the product, but we don't actually, we have really differing views on how we want to run this business. And although it's kind of sad to walk away from what could have been, the heartache and the time and the wasted money and everything that is saved by having those conversations up front is priceless. I I could see that. I yeah, I mean we so in our real estate business, we work with outside investors with OPM, other people's money. And mm-hmm. we've seen that go south in in other like in the cautionary tales out there. Um but it is so important to not just be aligned on like, hey, we want to make money now or like this is what we're both mm-hmm. interested in. But like what's our future vision for this and what if things do go wrong and what's our plan B and our plan C? And yes, I, I just love that you that you say that because mm-hmm. it is – we have walked away and, we, and we've also encouraged other people to walk away from, from that partnership because it's not that they're like bad people or not that we are like, oh, that's, you're doing the wrong thing or anything like that. Just that – oh, what we are looking to create and, and achieve is different than what you're trying to create. So why don't you go find someone that's going to be a perfect fit for you and we'll find someone that's a great fit for this and we'll both be happy as opposed to trying to like yeah. mash this together and hope that nothing goes wrong and then totally. calling you when things do. <laughs> so, yeah. A big yeah. one I see it go kind of seems to be an issue that comes up without really thinking about it is when there's like a financial discrepancy between the two two business owners. So for instance – one partner has another income, maybe like a full-time job. And so this is their business that they're starting um, on the side. And then the other business partner is someone who wants to go full into it, guns blaring, <laughs> you know, and, and they're expecting to pull money out of that company to live on much sooner than the other person needs to. And so the person who has money coming from another source they are very happy to reinvest all the profits into marketing and growing the business where the other partner's like, I need to take money out of this business to live on. So there's already a conflicting um, view of how the business is going to be run. And that's not to say that you can't work through that and figure that out. It's just like a conversation to have before you've invested in all of the things versus, you know, hitting launch, making sales, and then having that conversation and then realizing that it's just not going to work out. A thousand percent. Such great advice. So good. Okay. I want to ask a little bit more on this, like the women, the conditioning, because I, I, I think there's one last piece we can maybe nail in around these, these contracts. So we, I know we've talked about this. Like we do think that most women have been conditioned to be nice, to be pleasant, to be liked, to, to over deliver, to go above and beyond. How, how else and where else do you see this play out in the legal world and the contract world with the entrepreneurs that you work with? Um, I think we've talked about it a little bit, but like definitely the over-delivering or definitely um, agreeing to things along the way or kind of abandoning their own policies or how they want the work to go and to flow. And then it kind of bubbles up into this resentment. Like often by the time people call me in my law firm, they hate the person on the other side. Like they just cannot imagine continuing with the contract. They cannot imagine doing any more work going forward. And they've just like, they resent that other person so much. And I feel like if 
it was more accept- acceptable to have open conversation or maybe the other person would was more open to receiving the open conversation and the then my clients stuck to their boundaries a little bit more with the contract then we we would actually never make it to this resentful piece and i and i think that really takes up a lot of time and energy that we don't give enough credit to you know the stewing and wishing we had said something or or kind of mulling it over, making it bigger sometimes, or actually just giving it as much um, acknowledgement that it is a big deal and pushing it under the rug a little bit. So I think 90% of the things that come through my law firm email inbox could have been avoided with a bit more open communication and not letting things get so far down the path before nipping it in the bud. So good. Okay, you also said you let to let the contract be the bad guy. <laughs> so yeah. what and I know you have some kind of stock phrases and you've already said a couple of them, you know. Um, for example, you said like uh even if a, a boundary a good way to set a boundary is if a client comes and they want more to say, Oh, this sounds like it's a session or it sounds like it's a specific other deliverable, let's talk about that separately. What are some of the other stock phrases or um, just kind of ways that people can use their contract, like flex that contract muscle, as you say, to avoid, like, to, to stay in that 90% of things that can be solved without calling you? Yeah. So my favorite clause in all of my contracts is the additional services clause, which is part of all my contract templates. And that is the one that actually sets out what is not in a really nice way what is actually not included as part of your scope of work? So maybe you're a graphic designer and you're doing a brand logo and typography kind of brand package. Additional services, copywriting, (laughs) or three revisions of the logo because you're only getting two revisions or anything else that you could offer but that you your client isn't yet paying for. So it acts for two, it does two things. It tells your client exactly what is not included as part of your scope of work, which is a great thing to rely on when someone asks you for something. You can say, actually, it's not included in my services. This, as per the contract, is an additional service, and I'd be happy to do it for you at my hourly rate or as we may otherwise determine once we go through that scope of the work. It also is like marketing to your hottest lead, which is your client who's already paying you all of your other amazing things that you do. So I think that's a really good habit to get into is like being very clear because often clients don't actually know what any of these things mean. Like, to be honest, when I launched copy or contracts market, I had no idea what a copywriter was. Like I knew what they did, but I didn't actually know what they did, you know? And so if someone's hiring you, you are the expert. So let them know. what each little intricate aspect of your work actually includes versus the big, big aspect of what it doesn't include potentially. Because in my brain, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm hiring for branding. I'm getting all of these things because I'm not a branding expert. I just need, I just know I need something. And so it's your job to inform your client what is and isn't included. So good. I love the little phrase there too, as per the contract. That's so good. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's really that's I try really to simple. like keep it out, but but it's a really simple way of like referring back to it and like reminding people because the number of times I've seen in emails written that have been forwarded to me because my client isn't an issue with their client 
that says, yeah, I signed the contract, but I didn't read it. It doesn't mean anything. Like I, these are actual people's emails and defenses to why they're behaving badly in a client relationship. It's like, no, these things actually do matter. So that if you do refer back to it at certain points in your relationship, it's like a friendly reminder that it's there. And yes, it's enforceable. And yes, you signed it. And yes, you should have read it. <laughs> and if you Please haven't read, read it, now's a good print. time. Now's a good time to read it. <laughs> if, Love the if additional there's any search. takeaways, yeah. Please <laughs> read, read the fine print. The, <laughs> the fine print is enforceable. Yeah. And write good fine print on your end. I love the additional uh, additional services. A genius, you know, and just like you said, they're for the, the marketing part too. That's so good. Okay. So I've got a couple nitty gritty little legal questions and then um, then we're going to lighten it back up here. Um, okay. And you, obviously we're not expecting- Hope I know the answer. <laughs> I mean, you already shared some I've been of them, but stumped I- before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, if we, we don't expect perfection here. And you've already kind of shared some of it, but I thought it'd be good to, to sum a little bit of it up. For anybody that's listening- that has a business, um, we're going to make sure we get the checklist into the show notes for you so you can look at that. But here's a couple couple of kind of high-hitting things. Um, websites. So what does every website need? Does every, every website needs, you've said, a privacy policy? Yeah. If you're collecting any kind of data on your website, you definitely need a privacy policy. So data could, if you have an email list sign up or a freebie or a resource that you're giving away on your email or on your website, you need a privacy policy because you're collecting people's personal information. And even if you aren't doing any of those things, most websites will be like planting some form of tracking bit behind the scenes, like a cookie or similar that's actually gathering data. Facebook pixel or something too. Exactly. So okay. that all counts as personal information. And it didn't used to be a big thing, but I don't remember if you remember like four years ago, the, there's something called the GDPR, which is the European, European Union's privacy thing, privacy laws. And we all got emails being like, if you want to remain on our email list, you need to click this button. And then it's a, so that was requiring active consent. So if you are having anybody on give an email on your website, you should have a pop-up that actually says these are our terms of use and privacy policy, and you need to click a button. You have to have a little button that says you click, your user clicks to say that, yes, they agree to your privacy policy. You can't have it pre-checked. You can't have something that says, um, click here to by opt using out. our website, by using our website, you automatically agree. No, you need active consent. So you need that pop-up. The pop-ups are annoying. Yes, I get it. They they mess around with your pretty perfect website. I hate it on mine too, but it's there. You just need it. And you just click it and it goes away. Same for cookies. You should have something for cookies. If you're I don't even know if I have cookies. Anything. I need to figure that out. You have, you have Add that cookies. to my checklist. Do I have cookies? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's in the privacy policy checklist. Okay. So with the privacy policies I sell, I actually do like there's a whole privacy policy checklist so that you know certain things to look for in the back end of your website too. And then you can change that in the, the template. Beautiful. Okay. Well, I, I do have I do have your It's template. not as hard as you think. So it will only take you 30 minutes to do it. Okay. Okay. You're just going to hold my hand through the whole thing, right? <laughs> Moral yeah. support team. Okay. Love. Okay. So terms and conditions and privacy policy, important for websites. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's talk briefly about affiliates. Um, 
how do we do this legally? I mean, I'm, I'm also an affiliate for contracts market. I don't know if that's, do I, is that all I have to say? Like, what do I need to, what do we need to know as affiliates? Cause I feel like that's such a, it's such a beautiful way to, to share the wealth and to have multiple income streams, but also a little scary. How do we do it legally? Yeah. So if you are somebody who wants to be an affiliate for someone else's program, there's two things you really need to keep in mind. So the first is you have to be really honest in your marketing and truthful. <laughs> you can't like make fake reviews. People do that still. Um, and you also can't say this product is amazing and never have used the product. So you have to have some honesty and truth behind your actual things that you're telling your community. And I think actually the internet, well, we are the internet is can spot a fake a mile away. It's kind of like a bad handbag, you know? And so people catch on. And if you're actually trying to build like a good affiliate income stream, you need to only be promoting the products that you truly, truly believe in and that have supported you or your business, or you have firsthand knowledge of the good that it's doing. Um, the second is appropriate disclaimers. So for instance, if you, I'm an affiliate for Dubs Auto, for instance, I don't do much marketing for it, but I'm sure I will have a blog post about it one day. So if I'm doing a social media post, I need to have a hashtag in the actual caption that says I'm, that is disclosing that there's like a material connection between me and the brand, me and Dubsado, which is I'm going to get paid a commission if you purchase through my link. And so that hashtag can look like, like hashtag paid ad, hashtag affiliate, hashtag sponsored post, like something that shows there's a material collection, um, connection and you don't want to bury it in like the bottom of your hashtag set. You want like to have number it twenty nine and number thirty. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and not in the first comment. Like it should be in the caption, and or also you can just say, "Hey, this is a product that I really believe in, and I am an affiliate for, and you might, I might get paid something or be gifted something, whatever the relationship is, for if you purchase by using my code or my link." And then if I was to write a blog post all about the benefits of contract market or deposit or whatever it is then the best place to put that disclaimer and what I'm saying, what I'm talking about when I say disclaimer is I am an affiliate of Dubsado and I will get a commission or free months or whatever that is. If you purchase through my link, just FYI, I'm sure you've all seen these. Don't have it buried at the bottom of your blog post or your email. We are starting to see um, the ad standards, like the, Bureau of Canada and also FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission in the US, really preferring to see these disclaimers living above the fold, which means you don't have to scroll to the bottom of the post and be surprised <laughs> that you're reading an affiliate post. Like you want it to be full disclaimer at the top so people know what they're getting. Because a lot of these claims are starting to happen where it just wasn't truthful. And no, everyone's felt kind of duped. You know, I've like had this beautiful skin because I used Olay and, you know, in two days my wrinkles were gone. Like that's just not truthful. And people are starting lawsuits <laughs> when they're not getting the same results. So it's just a good habit to get into. And I think the byproduct of doing these things is also you're building intrinsic trust uh, between you, the influencer, because whether you like it or not, you have one person who follows you on Instagram and you're selling things through there, then you're an influencer, you have influence on other people, is that 
you want to be truthful about it and to build that trust and build that community, like your community expects it and they're not going to stick around for long unless you have that. And then if you are actually building an affiliate program yourself, it's a great thing to do. I highly recommend it, but just make sure you have a really clear terms of use for your affiliate program because you need, it's like anything, you're exchanging value with your community and you want to make sure that there's clear expectations around that. Yeah. Side note, go read my affiliate agreement more closely. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. So <laughs> so good to know. Um, and I, I think, you know, I do think transparency really does go a long way and it is about just being genuine, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, you know, I am an affiliate for Contracts Market and I may get a commission and also I really do believe in what you're doing. I think it's really important work. And as someone who has quilt contracted and luckily nothing ha- happened, like I know I need to get my my legal house in order. So that's why I wanted wanted to have you on the show. I wanted to have this conversation. Um, What about, okay, what about like the little um, save $10 codes that we like share with friends? Like do those count as affiliates? Like how far does that go? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're getting any kind of compensation or value, that's Mm. the definition of affiliate. Okay. So even like those little HelloFresh things I get in my mail, got to be careful of all those things. Well, like if you're passing over a coupon code to somebody, like I, I mean, well, no, if you were to share a HelloFresh code on your Instagram, then you should put something like hashtag affiliate on there, mm-hmm. or I might get free monthly meal box if you purchase through that, because you are getting some kind of um, value out of sh- sharing that from the brand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it extends. Even to friendships. But, you yeah. know, when you, I get like 14 of them a week in the mail you know, of like, Hey, we're new in your area. I'm like, you've been here for years now. And I pass it to my mom. Now like, you don't have to like slap her and like shake her hand and say hashtag affiliate. But, but yeah, if you're sharing anything on socials, um, definitely recommend it. So good. So good. Um, okay. What are some other contracts? And I mean, I know I could look on your website and see what they are, but what are some of the other contracts that you think are really valuable for entrepreneurs to have? Um, non-disclosure agreements are always a good one. If before you share like your new genius business idea with somebody and you cannot, um, protect ideas. So if you are talking to someone about some business venture you have and you're disclosing information to a potential business partner or something like that, you want to have a non-disclosure agreement in place that protects any of that confidential information. I think people forget about it, but it's a good one. Um, a model release, if you are using anyone else's photos to promote anything on your, about your business, you should have a model release. Um, if it, if any of the photos could have been interpreted as a model endorse, you know, the subject of your photos, um, endorsing your products or your services. And what's another one? Hmm. If you're doing any um, hiring in your business, like a subcontractor or bringing a VA on and they don't have their own form of agreement, or even if they do, you might still want to push to use your own form of independent contractor agreement. So that's when you're hiring a contractor in your business. It cannot be used if you're hiring an employee. And I always get asked when I'm going to be having an employee agreement contract template on my website. And the answer is never. Because I feel like, and well, I know 
that the laws across all the provinces and in Canada and in the U.S. are completely different from, from province to province. If you are at a point where you are hiring an employee in your business, I highly recommend that you work with a lawyer to get an employment agreement in place because the risk is high <laughs> of you know not having the right severance provisions, termination provisions. It is the wild, wild west in terms of employment law out there. So, I mean, I usually, I'll do basic employment agreements in my law firm, but it's a complicated area of the law and I usually refer them out to other employment lawyers. So if that doesn't tell you that maybe you should get a lawyer to <laughs> do your employment contract, um, I don't know what else to tell you, but it is it can be devastating to businesses when they don't have the right terms in their employment agreements or they terminate employees without knowing that they're on the hook for large amounts of severance or lawsuits or anything like that. And it's heartbreaking. So yeah, hire a lawyer if you're hiring employees. That's a good takeaway, I would say. So much good advice. And I've already started my Black Friday shopping list. So thank you for that. <laughs> I also have been, you know, I saw that you now have a podcast agreement. So I'm like, okay, got to do that. Because I also realized I forgot to send you mine, which is probably going to be embarrassing as it's definitely a quilt agreement, as we should call it. Awesome. So stay tuned. Good research for me. Yeah, that's com- <laughs> it's, it's coming your way and you're going to be completely laughing at it um, and that's know good. that on Black after Black Friday, I'll have a better one. <laughs> um, okay. Last couple of legal questions. Um, you've talked about people being able to issue spot things. And I think you've kind of shared a, a definitely some amazing advice here. Are there any other things like quick tips for issue spotting legal stuff in our business that could, might help someone feel more confident stepping into this world? Um, I think it's always just good. Like I put lots of good information out on my, on my blogs and things about things that are coming up. So that's a good resource. There's lots out there. Um, but just not hiding from it, you know, there's, and also be wary of the, the advice that you're getting in Facebook groups from like business Facebook groups and things like that, like very well intentioned. Don't get me wrong, but I often just let it go because I'm like, not my circus, not my monkeys, but it also like hurts my heart sometimes to see that people are seeking advice that could be really quite costly in the long run from non-lawyers. So I think just like it comes up a lot when people get pushed back on their contracts. Like if you send out your contract to someone and they want to negotiate something like take a deep breath, it's going to be okay. And then if you look at the changes that they're making and you're, you know, your gut is telling you it's time to check in with a lawyer about something, spend the money and do that because it might not be anything and the lawyer might, you know, bill you an hour of time, but you will sleep better at night knowing that you're protected. And it's also at a certain stage in your business, it might just be time to move on from a contract to a lawyer and have somebody that you can check in with from time to time about these kind of things, because you don't need to go it alone. So if you're reading some blogs, do a quick Google search, just always be like careful about where you're getting your information. But I think just, yeah, keeping abreast of it, but you don't have to be a lawyer. Like I, I also hate getting emails from people being like, I'm so embarrassed to ask you this, but I don't know the answer. And it's like this very complicated legal question. <laughs> like, why would you know the answer to that? <laughs> you know, so don't beat yourself up for not knowing and, and just feel better about yourself that you actually had the know with all to ask. 
So yeah, I don't know so much about like where to get more information for issue spotting, but definitely just feeling like, oh, if my rights might be affected, then to reach out. I feel like you just gave us all the permission to take a deep breath and you just gave us like this mama Jamie lawyer hug to be like, you're doing good. <laughs> you know, yeah, like- you're all doing great. Like, <laughs> I'm a business owner of two. I get it. I like lie awake sometimes <laughs> at night worrying. Like, What's so, line 52 yeah. say again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And insurance is your best friend. So get some mm. insurance. If you don't have insurance, go talk to an insurance broker because that can also it's a really nice combination uh, with your contracts. Okay. I think we might be talking about too much sexy stuff here now, Jamie. We've talked about bookkeeping. Yeah, I know. Insurance. Contracts. Cool. Like insurance. Let's see. You're getting too spicy here for me. We don't have to raise the temperature. <laughs> I want to talk about wills. Should we talk about wills? Estate oh. planning? <laughs> an affiliate code for those. Do your wills. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, though. Seriously, though. Do your wills. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, what I, I say, not as I do. Yeah, totally. Okay, last question about scaling. I know you mentioned that, and I think this is one of the really cool, really cool things about you is that you are a professional who you found a way to scale your business, scale your income without it being tied to your time. So what advice do you have for other professionals who might be wanting to do the same thing? And is there anything from a legal side that they need to know? um, Go for it. (laughs) Because... If you're a service provider, you will get to the point where it's very hard to go beyond your, I mean, most of the people that I know who are moving into digital products or courses or something are because they stop wanting to trade time for money. I haven't quite reached that point where I'm 100% ready to trade it in. And just, (laughs) I guess, from my own experience, nothing is passive income. Unless, I I mean, you probably in the real estate world will tell me differently, but- nope. Preach it. The last episode the before world, this, all about that. <laughs> okay. There's no, no I, thing that's as a lie. Income. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think just getting into this kind of business model, you there seems to be this thread on the internet, and maybe it's just in my world that like digital products are easy, and they they can be like you get the hard work done in the first go, but if they're just sitting on their website, they're not doing anything for you. So there's like this whole nother level of like marketing and all that things that you need to. Um, and there's lots of different ways to skin a cat, obviously, but um, just go out there and, and, and try to do it and go for it. And then just make sure that you've got website terms of use that cover your intellectual property and tell people what they can and can't do with those digital products or, or however you've decided to scale. But I definitely recommend it. It's, it's, For me, as like a very, as we've found out, um, industry of law, which isn't the sexiest area in the world, it's a great way to use some, like have an aspect of business that allows you to really hone in on your creativity and have some fun with marketing and things like that. So that's kind of how I look at, at contracts market too. Like it's a fun way I can be on Instagram and TikTok and do all, not that I'm having much fun on TikTok, but, (laughs) but like I can go and do other creative things and make more graphics and all that kind of stuff. So it's a creative outlet in the legal world. Amazing. So cool. I'm really glad that you decided to, to bridge that and that you've created Contracts Market. I'm a huge fan and I love that you've been able to create that passive income. Well, you know, quote, passive income and diversify and and have that fun. So good. So good. Yeah. Okay. So now- 
the last rapid fire Golden Girls questions that you don't know which ones they are, but here they are. Um, what's a goal yes. that you're working on right now? Ooh, uh, I'm just getting through my Black Friday email sequence, which is so last minute. But bigger goal is really um, getting getting into something more community oriented in the new year for contracts market. So I've done the digital product and now whether it's a course or a membership or something like that, that's more of what I'm working towards because I really want it to feel more like a community. Love it. That's so cool. Um, What's the best lesson that you've learned in the last year? Ooh, beginner's mindset. (laughs) Um, that it's okay that even if you think you're an expert, you sometimes have to come back to beginner's mindset. So, um, I do a lot of like trail and ultra running and which for people who don't know, like ultra running is anything over a marathon distance. And I recently sprained my ankle in July. So now I'm back on a couch to 5k running program. And it's really taught me a lot of like patience, um, around embracing that beginner's mindset again and starting from, you know, not the ground, but just trusting the process. What a great lesson. And I think that there's, there's maybe an email in there about, you know, building your business. (laughs) Absolutely. Everything ties. Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) Love it. I love it. Um, What's the best money you've ever spent? Oh, the best money I've ever spent. Um, this is so lame. Okay. I would love to say it. Oh my gosh. Is it insurance? Is it insurance? No. Is this a video podcast or is this just audio? I bought a chair, which was like, it's right behind me. And it was way more money than I would ever spend on a single piece of furniture. But it has become my oasis. And it seemed ridiculous because it was one of the first things I bought when I moved and like started my business. And it was like, I just want somewhere that's like my private retreat and that when I sit in the chair and it seems ridiculous, but it's like I go there and I just instantly relax. And like, I feel like it's like my goal setting chair. Like when I'm thinking about, you know, I'm pulling like a card out of my card deck, you know, like those tarot card decks or something like that, or like reading affirmations or like reading a good business book. Like I go to the chair. (laughs) It's not like a chair for like having, you know, scrolling TikTok. It's like the sacred chair where like my, my brain goes into like self-development, like work on you mode. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like your spiritual zone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right so next cool. to my Peloton. So it's very different vibes, but that was also good money spent. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh. I feel like we all are going to want want this chair now. You're going to definitely, we'll have to get a picture of this <laughs> yeah. and put it in the show so notes so, so we can all see really it. Really comfy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pictures, please. Pictures. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, let's talk quickly about your Black Friday sale because I know you're working on the emails. Mm-hmm. What is the contract market Black <laughs> Friday sale? Can you tell us? Is this Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's not a secret because we're getting really close now, but Black Friday, it's 30% off contract templates and 40% off bundles. So if you've never checked out my shop, we have bundles for different service providers. So it includes your service agreement, website terms, privacy policy, contractor agreement, 
all the things you need if you're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to get everything I need in one go. So this is our biggest sale of the year. And yeah, it's from the 21st to the 28th. So you've got a week to think about it and see, kind of shop and see what works best for your business. I love it. I, we will have all the links in the show notes. I've already got my shopping list started, uh, which is so exciting. It's going to be great. Um, and also, I'm just going to, you know, we talked about this. I'm going to put this out there. So I'm hosting a Finish Your Year Strong Challenge, uh, November 28th to Friday, December 2nd. So it's a, a, every day, it's an hour of together goal working to finish up one of those loose ends for the end of the year and just be really intentional. And one of my loose ends is for sure getting these terms and conditions and my privacy policy up okay, there. I would be all, there. All our websites. Okay, amazing. You'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. Um, so if anyone else wants to join in, I'll put the link in the show notes there. You can join us. Um, we're going to get that up there. And it's just so good to have accountability and support in doing these these things. I mean, sometime, at some point, Jamie, we're going to have to do some bookkeeping sessions too because, you know... Do you yeah. know like how many accountants I have in my world and I'm still like the worst at it? Uh, do you <laughs> want to know I really something embarrassing? I really want to be involved in it. I really want I to be a, involved in it. I have a double major in accounting and finance and I'm still terrible at it. So, you know, <laughs> no shame, no shame. We're just all in it together. No shame. There's no oh. shame here. We're all here together. Oh. All in it together. Uh, okay. Where can people find you to connect with you, stay in touch with you and, and love on you? The best place is I'm usually hanging out on Instagram. So that's at Contracts Market. And then my email list is kind of where you get the juicier bits. And um, yeah, little special promos and surprises in there. So yeah, I like my I like my email list. We have like a really good relationship going on in there. So it's fun. Amazing. Okay. We'll make sure the business checklist is in there too. People can grab that, yeah. hop on your list and follow along because your your emails are fantastic and so is your blog. Um, and I'm excited for everyone listening to stay in touch with you and, and keep learning all these little legal tidbits uh, from, from you, Jamie. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so happy we made this happen. Now we can be accountable for one last thing, which is getting your website terms of use and privacy policy up. Deal. Deal. I'm so here for it. Um, okay. Thank you so much. You know, what I love about you is that I think anyone listening to this now feels – I know I do. I feel way more confident thinking about my legal contracts, knowing what I don't know, and knowing how I can fix some of those gaps in my business. And I, I know you've done that for so many others. So um, I'm going to speak for, for both of us when I say like, you know, get your legal house in order and then go out there and raise your rates, feel more confident, and go crush it in your business. And we're here to support you. Love it. Totally here for it. Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. I don't know about you, but I am fired up to get my legal house in order after this conversation with Jamie. Full disclosure, I definitely feel vulnerable sharing with you that I certainly don't have it all figured out in legal end. I feel a little naked, both personally and professionally sharing that here with you. So, I invite you to join me. Let's change that if you're also realizing that you're a little naked and exposed uh, in terms of legal, at least. So I've already got my templates from the contract market and I invite you to do the same. There's a link in my bio and if you decide to use my link, it won't cost you anything and I may get a commission. So thank you for doing that and for supporting us in creating this content for you. 
I also want to help you take it one step further and not just buy it and let it sit in your inbox like I did, but actually do it. Take the templates, put them on your website, use the contracts that you need to, and actually get your legal foundation in place. Every year, I host a Finish Your Year Strong Challenge. It's a week of daily co-working, or as I call it, goal working, one hour every day with a group of people charged up and ready to, to finish it, finish it strong. If you feel like there's some loose ends you want to tie up before 2022 comes to a close, this is the week for you. You're going to get super intentional about the last few things you want to wrap up. You'll put aside the time to do it, get energized together, and then you'll be done and you'll be ready to fully enjoy your holidays and be present because that's what it's all about. It's happening this year, Monday, November 28th to Friday, December 2nd, 2022. And you can go to lisamishow.com slash finish strong and sign up for free. Uh, that's lisamishow.com slash finish strong. We've got a link in the show notes. Make sure you join us. By the way, if you're hearing this after these dates, still sign up. Sometimes, hint, hint, wink, wink, I do a bonus week um, and then I do it every year and sometimes we do it throughout the year. So no harm in signing up, even if you hear it after these dates. We'd love to have you whenever we do our next finish strong week. Thank you so much for listening. I got to tell you, it certainly takes a special kind of person to click download and play on an episode about legal documents. And that truly says a lot about you. Tells me you're diligent, you're responsible, you care, and you're awesome. Now, don't let this be another episode you just listen to and forget about. Take action. After listening to this, you're already probably more familiar with the legal terms and what's important, so you can check that box. Now, make sure you've got your contracts, your terms and conditions, privacy policy laid out. Get your legal foundation down so that you can feel more confident in your business and grow both personally and professionally. If you enjoyed this episode or know someone else that needs to hear this, please share it with them. If you're in a mastermind or a community with your business besties. Share this with them and inspire each other to get your legal house in order. Then go feel empowered and protected to go do the magic in your business and the work that you really love and that you're meant to do. Thanks for listening. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.